Hey everyone, this is Chris Campbell with another Resolutions Rundown, an abbreviated podcast where we give you the rundown on great mental health. Today, I want to offer some thoughts on how to emotionally prepare for the 2020 election. As we record this podcast, we are just weeks away from what could prove to be a monumental election for the United States. And while the majority of our listeners are residents of the U.S., it's important to note that we do have many friends outside of the U.S. And I can tell you that that I find it very interesting to get feedback and questions from people who are not living in the U.S. They're not U.S. citizens. It really helps to, to frame a fresh perspective. I can also tell you that I, I find it uh, very interesting uh, to listen to foreign news coverage of the United States, especially in this year, 2020. Uh, for example, on most weekday mornings, I will listen to the BBC to get my U.S. national news. <laughs> now, now that, may, that may sound really odd or shocking or appalling or alarming to you. But uh, again, what we advocate is is trying to broaden your perspective so that you can implement, you know, good wisdom and sound thinking to evaluate the context of where you live. And regardless of where you live or the political climate of your immediate location, you can keep your wits about you. And specifically for our listening audience in the U.S., I want to offer some crucial things to be mindful of as we move toward Election Day in November. Number one, don't get swept up in the news cycle. Don't get swept up in the news cycle. Now, we talk about this from time to time, uh, and we just want to reiterate this. Uh, There are ways to continue to be informed about politics, but also protect yourself from unnecessary stressors or harm. You know, for example, if you're having trouble sleeping, reading headline after headline on Twitter or your social media feed probably won't help. A recent study out of Texas State University suggests that setting aside a limited amount of time to read or watch the news perhaps once in the morning and once in the evening before you need to wind down is most helpful. Uh, You know, we would suggest and have suggested here on the resolutions podcast that you think about maybe just once, no more than twice a day doing 30 minutes of local news and 30 minutes of national news. That's sort of going old school. If we step back 40 years before the boom of cable news network and, and uh, 24 hour news coverage, people were brought up to date either by reading a morning newspaper and or watching 30 minutes of local news at 6 and 30 minutes of national news at 6.30 in the evenings. And, uh, you know, stepping back, decompressing a bit and going old school will reduce the frequency of the things that tend to trigger your anxiety that are related to politics. Number two, We're going to encourage you to think about actually getting involved instead of being a spectator over these last few weeks. Uh, You know, there are okay ways to channel your nervous energy. And uh, this era in politics can leave you feeling helpless as a spectator. 
But uh, experts tend to agree that you actually can make a difference and doing your part can actually help you feel better too. So, you know, the presidential election captures most of the attention. However, local campaigns are the ones that tend to need the most help. Local campaigns are those that are pretty much undecided in many minds of the voters right up until election day. We want you to consider where your help, your resources, your ideas, uh, and your contribution to uh, local uh, candidates might actually make a difference. So think about actually taking active steps to address your concerns. And when you do, you will alleviate feelings of hopelessness and strengthen your own sense of individual agency. Number three, this is related to number two. We're going to encourage you to step back from social media. Now, uh, this is the time of year where exponentially you're going to see an increase of posts and comments that you're going to disagree with. And many of these posts and comments are going to be politically charged and there's going to be the temptation to take it very personal, the things that you're reading. And we're going to, again, remind you that it's best to fight that knee-jerk reaction to argue with that former classmate or a complete stranger <laughs> through a social media platform. And another important thing to remember, and, and again, this is, a, this is another confirmed study, uh, that I think it's good for us to remind ourselves that there are more than 300 million people in the United States, the vast majority of whom don't hold the extreme views that you'll tend to find in your newsfeed. The, the people posting them aren't changing their minds. And so it's important to take a step back and to recognize that. And we would also encourage you to consider what is the most impactful use of your energy and time instead of worrying about that one opinion that could possibly influence hundreds of others which it won't we would just encourage you to redirect your focus into causes that you care about and causes that you can actually contribute to that will make a difference. And these can be political causes or social causes, and they, they, they range from a, a wide selection, a, a wide, wide gamut. But, but get involved with something that you do feel strongly about and step back from social media. Uh, we believe that you'll feel better when you do. Number four, set boundaries with family and friends. Set boundaries with family and friends. Again, this is, a, this is a tip that we revisit frequently here on the Resolutions Podcast, but it's going to be so important as we're moving towards election day here in 2020. You know, there's a, a really good chance that you have friends or family members whose politics do not align with your own. And when you engage in conversations, the back and forth can get overheated. <laughs> So it can be really helpful to adjust your expectations ahead of time. And we would say rather than trying to change someone else's mind, just focus on expressing your beliefs in a calm and clear manner. And then take the time to listen and acknowledge the other person in an open and non-judgmental fashion. Even if you're able to do this with excellence, it's probably wise to also get 
a preemptive plan regarding boundaries when it comes to upcoming family gatherings or dinner with friends, etc. You know, if you're not in the right headspace to engage in a political conversation, it's best to say that right up front. And if conversations do arise and you begin to feel yourself becoming upset, by all means, take a time out. <laughs> Step outside for a few minutes to grab some fresh air, head to the bathroom to take a few deep breaths, or maybe even just take a quick walk. If you have a preemptive plan stepping into these social interactions and you're setting good boundaries with family and friends, uh, you will make sure that you're not caught off guard and you will have a plan when somebody makes a statement that really, really has the potential to rub you the wrong way. Number five, we'd encourage you to know your rights. You know, to know what is the law currently. Uh, the stakes are high for many people, especially those threatened by politics surrounding immigration or maybe religious rights, etc. So we want to encourage you to keep informed of your rights and be ready to state those rights in a calm and firm manner uh, when you might be challenged or when somebody is suggesting something that isn't accurate as far as the Constitution. Uh, we're not asking you, uh, you know, to, to drill in and to, you know, to be a legal expert, but uh, when you hold membership in a group that can be disenfranchised as a result of political reform or their political platform, it's good to know the solid ground that you can actually occupy and stand on. Know your rights. You know, for example, in our listening audience, uh, there may be those who are immigrants and who are undocumented. And if that's you, you should find credible sources that will help you stay current on immigration issues. Or maybe the same would be true if you're nervous about your religious rights and freedom to assemble as a, as a church or a religious organization. You know, fear and anxiety can significantly be reduced by being aware of your constitutional, your legal rights. Being connected to reliable information about these issues will only help to settle and regulate your emotions. Now, we want to make a quick shift here and we want to talk now about Election Day. The first five suggestions that we've made here will hopefully set you up uh, for a, a good balanced day uh, when Election Day finally comes. But what about Election Day? What can you do to prepare mentally for the actual Election Day here in November 2020? Uh, number one, we want to make a suggestion that you plan on starting the day with good self-care. You know, on the day of election, start it with a moment of gratitude. Take care of yourself. If you're, you know, brew yourself a good cup of coffee, maybe take the time to journal that morning, have a short meditation, a morning walk. If you're, if you're a spiritual person that, that values and practices Christianity, that's a great time to start the day off remembering that your citizenship is not of this world, ultimately, it's in heaven. And your position is not based on your political party affiliation, but really upon 
who you are in Christ. And you can lean into that truth through prayer and through, uh, you know, soaking in the word of God and maybe just even, you know, allowing God the time to comfort your heart. The Bible speaks of a peace that passes understanding, and we may need that more than ever on election day. You know, uh, election day for many can feel cumbersome and stressful. So we want to encourage you that on that day, it's probably even more important to put a self-care plan in place. Number two, we're going to revisit boundaries here again, and we're going to ask you on election day to consider setting boundary with family and friends. You know, when it comes to politics and political stances, I want to be totally transparent with with you, uh, the listener. Um, Not everybody sees the world as I do in my family, in my network of friends, in my extended family, in my faith community. And while we all love each other dearly, I found it best to limit communication on election day. You know, having these boundaries means offering one another the space to celebrate or mourn, maybe just to even process our feelings as needed. Uh, There are numerous opportunities to dialogue, you know, with those who hold differing views before Election Day in November. Uh, But come Election Day, it's best to channel that energy into your vote, your personal circle, and your emotional well-being. Having boundaries means offering one another the space, again, to celebrate, mourn, and process feelings as needed. And number three, allow yourself to feel what you feel. You know, when the results come in and you'll begin to sort through numerous politicians and propositions in the aftermath of the election, you can expect to feel many emotions, many emotions from joy to grief to exhaustion to to fear. And it's all to be expected. And these, these feelings are valid. So I want to encourage you to allow yourself to feel whatever it is you're feeling, but make sure that you think and don't just feel. You know, acknowledging your emotions is just the first step. The second step would be make sure that you get the the front of your brain where you can exercise your ability to critically assess a situation, to think through and to reason and to execute good rational thinking. You need to, you need to make sure that that's going to happen for you. And the first step is not in denial and not in allowing your, your emotions to, to take over, but to acknowledge and allow yourself to feel whatever it is that you're feeling. Uh, one of the greatest gifts we can give ourselves is to embrace the emotions that you have and then move through them with dignity, consideration, prayer, and maybe even just time to allow the cortisol in our brains to move towards half the intensity that you initially experience. That takes about 20 minutes, by the way. And from that point forward, you can take a breath, you can think, you can realize that maybe this isn't a catastrophe. You can reassess and figure out what it is within your power to control what you can. And then you give yourself the opportunity to exercise your faith. Now, 
let's make another shift. Let's talk about after the election. So we've talked about the days leading up to the election. We've talked about election day. Now let me talk to you about after the election. Again, I'm going to encourage you to give yourself some room to process. In the days post-election, we're probably going to have a lot to process. And that's not just on a national level, but that'll be on a state, regional, local level as well. The news cycles, they won't end. They may even ramp up, right? Uh, regarding, you know, the ballots and the counting of the ballots and if there are disputes and so forth. Uh, there's no way we can actually go into the final two months of 2020 as U.S. citizens knowing what will happen but we can control how we will respond. So be kind and carve out more space for self-care, more than usual. You know, consider taking time away from the news and social media. It's okay to take a break, to retreat into places where you find peace, if that's nature or long runs or just a good cup of coffee. You know, you may want to spend a few days crying or celebrating virtually with friends. To avoid fatigue and to avoid fighting and squabbling, we must allow ourselves a moment to step away and breathe. In caring for yourself, I want you to also consider marginalized groups and how their feelings toward voting results may differ from your own. And think about the best ways to, to maybe support them, to maybe be kind to them, to maybe be gentle in their processing. May we be soft with ourselves and others in the days and weeks that follow November 3rd. You know, we all need to remember that while we are all humans experience waves of emotions, politics, and the outcomes of elections, those outcomes will affect people differently. Number two, after the election, get back to work. Get back to work. The most important thing we can do post-election is to stay engaged with our normal routine. And uh, in so doing, we set ourselves in a position to rationally think through the circumstances that exist and ultimately hold our leaders accountable. Even if your party won or the votes went the way you hoped, it's up to us to ensure that legislation is passed and promised policies are fulfilled etc. Uh, election day is not the ending, it's the beginning. Now, as we wrap up, um, let, me, let me take a moment here and speak directly to people of faith who are podcast listeners. You know, if, if you listen to the Resolutions podcast, you know that we take an integrated approach to mental health. And by that, we mean that we are uniquely psychological, theological, and spiritual in our perspectives and strategies. So as a wrap-up for today's rundown, let me offer some important principles that we find in the Bible for you to consider. My attention is drawn to a portion of the Bible in the New Testament that's called the Gospels, and the Gospels detail the life and ministry, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. And the days of Jesus's ministry were marked by political uncertainties, an oppressive government regime, religious hypocrisy, social injustice, and even human crises. You know, and, and we have as a resource the record of Jesus's first sermon during this time period. 
And maybe you've heard of it, Jesus's first sermon, it's the largest discourse that we have of his on record. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And you can find it in the Bible in the book or the gospel of St. Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Now, if you've ever given a public speech or a presentation at school or work, then you know your introduction is super important. Uh, Human nature hasn't changed much over the history of the world. Most public speakers know that you have about two minutes to capture the attention and engage the curiosity of your listeners. And Jesus, as you might guess, was a masterful communicator. And we see that in his first sermon. Jesus' first sermon, we believe, took place on a hillside in the northern territory of Israel known as Galilee. Now, I've visited this spot, and the natural acoustics are phenomenal. Uh, Jesus could easily be heard by thousands of listeners. And people who came to hear the first sermon of this young rabbi were in need of hope. Their lives bordered on the brink of chaos. They were mentally pressed to keep some semblance of sanity. And Jesus opens his sermon talking about how to be happy in a hectic world. It's interesting. uh, The word he uses for happiness in the ancient language of the Bible is a word that's pronounced makarios, makarios. Uh, English Bibles have translated this word most commonly into blessed, but a more accurate 21st century term would actually be happy. And I want you to think for a minute about what you need to be happy. We all have ideas about happiness. If you need a minute, think about the way you spend your marginal money or the way you use your credit card. Think about your tolerance for people who see the world differently than you do, or what you typically need to start your day or your weekend in a positive way. Uh, What do you think you need to be happy? Jesus' formula for happiness might just surprise you. And I'm going to read the beginning of this powerful sermon to you where he addresses happiness, personal happiness. And as you listen, I want you to let the words register in your mind and settle in your heart. And then I'd encourage you to grab a Bible or load a Bible app and read it for yourself. If you do, you'll find that the pathway to happiness actually has little to do with the circumstances that exist in your contemporary world. Instead, it has everything to do with your trust in God's ultimate oversight and your willingness to be a blessing to others. So starting in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 2, as we pick up on this incredible sermon given by Jesus, it says this, And he, Jesus, opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed, or happy, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed or happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed, happy are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed, happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. 
Blessed, happy are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed, happy are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed, happy are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed, happy are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed, happy are you when others revile or pick on you or persecute you and when you experience all kinds of evil against you and you're falsely accused on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for this is the way the prophets were also persecuted throughout history. Jesus goes on to say to his people, to those who by faith can trust him. He says, you are the salt of the earth. So therefore guard your saltiness. (laughs) If salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You know, there is always a measure of comfort and sanity to be found in the practice of good mental hygiene. But eternal hope springs from the assurance of the love of God demonstrated through the life, teaching, and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And I'd encourage us all to maybe give the guidance of Jesus a little more influence in our thinking than the political rhetoric of 2020. And that's your resolutions rundown for today.